318. Then what is the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But some might say our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair for him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. This St Andrews is God's word. I was chatting with um, Roger, uh, who's on, who does the, the podcast. I have no idea whether this message will make the podcast or the uh, the first service, how that quite works, how he organises that. But uh, I always I know there's uh, people listening from overseas. Uh, so if this, if you're listening from overseas, a very warm welcome. David did mention we was like eleven from, sorry. David is 11 from uh, California, and then David sort of shared, shared, said they're probably only listening for one minute. So if you're from California, listening to only two minutes of this message, a warm welcome. And the amazing thing is the global faith. Stefan, who has uh, joined us on the um, uh, Qatar and worship, and it's been great having you join us, is recent to Geraldine. And we're chatting, as you mentioned, who's from Auckland. And a number of years ago, we had kids that uh, we sent our kids to this amazing kids program in Teatutu Peninsula. And we got talking to this incredible American guy uh, called Doug, and we chatted for ages. And I just, he was an amazing guy. And, uh, and so every time we're there, we're chatting with him. He was running the program, incredible ministry for our kids while we're in Auckland. And years later, I found out that Doug was influential in bringing Stefan to Christ. And when I, had for, when I was going out for a hot chocolate or a coffee with um, Stefan, uh, he'd even messaged Doug two minutes before. So amazing world. So wherever you are listening in this world, uh, we are one in Christ. And it's great you're here. But let's now pray. Gracious Lord, we bring uh, this next little season of time to you as we come, want to come under your word. For those of a gospel or biblically faithful tradition. We don't believe that human authority or culture or the media has authority over our lives, nor even a preacher. But we believe that you and your word has this authority over our lives, and we want to come under it. This is the worldview that we have, that your word is trustworthy and reliable. And we believe that it's not just spoken in the past, but it's living and active, that it's speaking this morning. And that, Lord, and so, Lord, we pray that your word would reach good soil this morning. We pray against hardened hearts. Lord, remove them in Jesus' name. We pray against the temptations of the world and the cares and the difficulties and the various things that can destroy or hinder a Christian faith. And so, Lord, we just want to come this morning and be truly impacted 
by your word. So come, Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. So, yeah, welcome back to our series on Romans. And this morning, for any budding Bible scholars out there, this is deemed as actually one of the more difficult texts to understand. Uh, so uh, um, uh, uh, Lloyd-Jones, a person of the previous century, deemed this is one of the hardest texts to understand. And a person who was obviously a critical commentator of Paul, I wouldn't have this commentary in my book, but he said that Paul's argument is feeble and confused. Uh, well, it, maybe it's for him it was, but not, not, I think it's clear enough. Uh, but there has been debate and discussion over this text. And I don't, in the one sense, I don't hold against the Bible scholars too hard because the Apostle Peter himself said that some of Paul's words are hard to understand. So I acknowledge there's debate out there over what Paul's getting at. Uh, but I think there's plenty here for us to feast on this morning. So for those that have been following the series, you will know that in the opening chapter, and forgive the recap, in the opening chapter, Paul talks about that the evidence for God's existence is plain to see. But people have hardened their hearts and rejected. And he talks about this Roman pagan world that's in this descent to hell, talks about idolatry and sexual immorality, and this whole list of other sins. And then in chapter 2, he points his barrels at religious Jews who would have been like, yeah, Paul, you tell them about those pagans. And he says that you Jews are just as bad. If you're religious, you're just as bad. All people, Jews and Gentiles, are under the condemnation of sin. So his condemnation is so sweeping in relation to the Jews. It's so eye-popping for a Jewish person that now in chapter 3, he comes into, he does this a little early, he has almost like this sparring contest. So he creates this imaginary person who brings these arguments, and then he comes across, and then he starts countering those arguments. And he often does this uh, throughout Romans. So in chapter 3, he brings in the good religious Jew who's got some counter-arguments to Paul's arguments. And so the first thing, and he says, you know, and this, we're going to see this actually unplay as we get in. All right, let's, let's get into it. So, uh, and remember, just before we get into this, when Paul was writing this letter, uh, he was writing to half of the congregation were Jewish. So the first counter-argument would be, well, if the Jewish people are under the condemnation of sin, then what good is it being Jewish? What good is it being part of God's covenantal people? And so Paul's first argument is, then what advantage there being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. Paul is saying that the faithful Jewish people had the words of God. They were encouraged to read it or at least listen to it in the synagogues. And then later on, because he talks about first there, and Paul's interesting way of doing things, he brings up first, then he goes on all these other things. Then in chapter 9, he brings up some other advantages. In chapter 9, he says that they had a God turn up, the presence of God. They had the these godly ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they had all these things. And this was this amazing godly heritage. 
Or to put it another way into our context today, imagine that you were to come to a church that was a biblically faithful church. It'd be nice if we, we could be that. Lord, please help us. To be faithful to God's word. Imagine you were to turn up to church and God's presence and power was felt. When people were coming forward for healings, there were healings happening. God was at work in the midst. And that everyone, the kids growing up, would know, wow, God's doing miracles here. And then imagine that the church had some really cool pastors or elders called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who despite some uh, faults and mistakes and a bit of a bumpy road, were uh, faithful witnesses. Now imagine that. Would Imagine you were a child growing up in that. Would that be an advantage to you in following the Lord? Yeah? Now imagine, imagine that church was planted in Rome with everyone else was doing everything else. Would, there be, would that advantage, that godly heritage, give those kids growing up in a church like that an advantage? Yes, I would say it would. It would. Literally, the first service, everyone goes, yes. And the second service, you're looking at me like, I'm thinking, am I, are you with me this morning? I hope you are. So there is an advantage. So the Jewish people had this advantage of the, of the scriptures. So Paul says the first thing that the Jews had is they had the word of God. And this is a massive advantage. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, you know, you should be praying and reading your children the word of God. And there is a massive heritage that you can give them. And first and foremost is the Bible. But secondly, Paul then goes in. So yes, there are advantages in the Jewish, in the Jewish ancestry, he says. But secondly, that godly heritage won't save you. True, some of them were unfaithful. Paul's argument here isn't that having a godly heritage isn't an advantage, but rather that by itself it won't save you. The God's first children, Adam and Eve, had the best heritage, but it didn't save them from, unfa from their unfaithfulness. The Jewish people had all the prophets and kings and the word of God. They had all those miracles, yet most of them were unfaithful. In fact, with the generation that left uh, uh, Egypt, only Moses and Caleb uh, entered into the promised land. Moses got very, very close, but not quite across the, the Jordan. And so most of them were, were, were unfaithful. So the godly heritage by itself won't save you. And in fact, though it's not in this passage, the narrative of Scripture indicates that sometimes you can have this amazing godly heritage and you just walk away from it. And there are people who've only heard the gospel once and they say yes and amen. They become cleansed, forgiven, and their names are in the Lamb's book of life. This is how it often works. And so by itself, a godly heritage won't save you. So one, there is a blessing in a godly heritage. Two, that heritage by itself won't save you. And now three, Paul brings out, this is a more sophisticated argument here, that God will be faithful and bring about his will in the midst of our unfaithfulness, but part of his being faithful is judging sin. All right, follow me here. All right, so the question then comes, well, if the Jewish people were unfaithful, doesn't that mean God's unfaithful? Because God was had all these promises. And Paul then comes in and says, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. The passage David there, uh, Paul quotes, is actually from David's affair with Bathsheba. So Paul's argument is, yes, even if the Jewish people are unfaithful, God will keep his word. Even if everyone else is a, everyone else is a liar, God is true. Even if everyone else abandons Jesus, God is going to be faithful to his word. And in fact, follow the logic here, part 
of, of what God's doing. Even in the midst of the Jewish people's unfaithfulness, God was bringing about his will. So actually the Jewish people's unfaithfulness increased God's faithfulness. Crazy idea. The Jewish people's rejection led to Jesus Christ and the gospel going all around the world and everyone having a chance to receive uh, um, a salvation. And that no matter, so then the question then comes in, well, if that's the case, then well, no matter what we pray or don't pray, whether we're good or evil, if God's going to win, then shouldn't we just keep on sinning that God's grace and faithfulness might abound further? Let's have a read of Paul's argument. But some might say our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people to see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? This is a human point of view. Of course not. If God were... If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him glory? And some people might even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. All right, so Paul's answer was, well, part of God being faithful to his word will be to judge sinners. Now, if you're confused by this argument, we're going to explain it again through the three things, and I'm going to use Judas Iscariot. All right, you're with me. Let's do this argument again. He's going, I'm confused. Maybe one or two of you. Right. Judas had the, was a Jew, and he had the blessing of a godly heritage. So Judas got to walk with Jesus he got to talk with Jesus. He got to go along and hang out. They had, com he had conversations. And every time Jesus was doing teaching, there would be Judas on the front row, right? Hearing all of those sermons, he would have, and Jesus, he was empowered by Jesus to do miracles. And he had three years of unparalleled chances to hear the gospel and repent and give his life to Christ. When Jesus would go to villages, People would hear one sermon from Jesus. They might see one miracle or two miracles. That was their chance. Repent and turn. The kingdom of God is near. Now's your time. It's not tomorrow. But for Judas, he was like a person turning up to church week after week after week after week. He had that blessing of sitting under the word. And two, that heritage did not save Judas Iscariot, did it? He rejected the Lord. He betrayed him. And knowing he was an innocent man, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. And then he went, when in, in, in absolute remorse, he went, without repenting, though, he went and hanged himself. But God will be faithful and bring about his will in the midst of our unfaithfulness. Nevertheless, despite Judas doing that, Judas's act of betrayal and the terrible, terrible sin of betraying an innocent man and who was God and man, that worst act brought about the greatest miracle, Jesus going to the cross, dying for the sins of the entire world and setting apart his, his great plan. Well, if that was the case, if Judas' act of unfaithfulness and betrayal increased God's mercy, then shouldn't Judas just kept on sinning? To grace abounds? Well, no. As part of God's plan to be faithful to his promises, he will bless those who are obedient and he will curse those who are disobedient. He will bring eternal life for those who are faithful and for those who reject, there is the other eternal reality. 
And so thinking of us today, I want to go through this again in terms of our own applications. One, the, bless the, heritage, the, the blessing of a godly heritage. If you are a parent or a grandparent this morning, you can give your children such an advantage. Pray for them. Read the Bible to them. First of all, they had the word of God, says Paul, talking about the Jewish, the blessing of the Jewish heritage. Church here this morning should be the snowflake on top of the tip of the iceberg of the entire iceberg of your faithfulness to the Lord. You should be aiming and saying, Lord, what can I do to give a blessing of godly heritage to my children or to other people that you're in contact with? Aim to give them every opportunity. Two, that heritage, is, there are no winning formulas in life. That heritage does not guarantee that no matter what you do, how many times you bring someone to church, no matter how many sermon series on Romans they have to be put through, there is no guarantee that's going to bring people to repentance and faith. Some people hear the gospel once and repent. Others will hear hundreds of sermons and their hearts are just like tuned out. They're in another world. They're on their phone doing something else. But they never respond to the gospel. Judas was that close yet a million miles away. The man on the cross had one opportunity. He heard and repented, and today he was with him in paradise. Your godly heritage won't save you. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. You don't get in on your parents' faith. Everyone needs to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And three, there is both a message of hope and warning for us. The message of hope is this. For some of it, I don't know whether you've had moments, I have, where you have really screwed up and you've hurt someone or you've done something and you struggle with shame and hurt over it. The message here is that God is faithful despite our unfaithfulness and he will even use our unfaithfulness and our sins and our mistakes, the worst things we have done. He will use that, redeem that, and in a way that increases his faithfulness, increases his glory, and brings honor to his name. That is our God. But here's the warning. Any person who hears that and says, well, if that's the case, God, I've got this great thing. I'm going to keep on sinning that grace may abound. The Paul says, you've missed the point. Your condemnation is just. And that part of God being faithful to his word is that he will bring consequences on those who reject his word and walk away. He will punish sin. So three bless, the three things, the blessing of a godly heritage, verses 1 and 2. Two, that heritage, well, it didn't save the Jews. Some were unfaithful. Everyone needs to hear and repent when they hear. And three, whether we are faithful or unfaithful, God will bring about his will. And part of that his faithful, though, is judging sin. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that, Lord, that you would be uh, moving in our hearts. I pray for the children who come to this church. We ask that they would have the blessing of a godly heritage, and I ask in Jesus' name, the first thing that they would have would be the word of God. 
that they would hear it, they would come to realize it's not just a human book, but it is your words and it is life-giving. And Lord, secondly, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would know that, that no matter what heritage we get, no matter how many sermons we have, this blessing by itself will not save us. Every one of us needs to turn to the Lord. But Lord, we thank you that in the midst of both our faithfulness and unfaithfulness, you are bringing about your purposes here on earth. Amen.